You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the kind book movie podcast. I'm your host, Pogues, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ben Chapman. I've been in this business too long, <laughs> but business is good. The tricky thing about being in the business and being this good at the business is the getting out part. Sometimes life doesn't give you an exit, so you gotta punch one of your own. But even if that exit's got a lot of guns, thing is I've got more guns. So I guess the whole thing is going to have to end with a bang from one of my guns. Hi, Pokes. Did you like my moody intro narration? Not good. Until the very end. (laughs) Better than the uh, intro (laughs) narration to the movie we just watched. I just wanted to read a segment uh, from the script from my my new favorite movie, Stallone's Bullet to the Head. A sleepy movie. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely a movie that took an Ambien right before it's like starting to feel it. It's kicking in. Wash it down with a a whole bottle of vodka. Uh, But when when I realized that we were going to be sitting down and doing a movie, uh, a Stallone film that someone said shouldn't have been made, (laughs) according to critics, I thought, uh, who else could I call upon than uh, a man who sat through many Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme movies with, with myself, um, and that is uh, a good friend of the podcast, Seth Crumming. Hello. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Hello, Seth. Or actually, uh, to kind of take Ben's lead. Uh, hello, gentlemen. This uh, is this film <laughs> podcast. Uh, Whoa! Uh, Sliced oh alone in the really studio. <laughs> for you most of them are why do you keep acting <laughs> <laughs> on a lighter note how are you that muscly at 66 holy fuck yeah it's a little thing called human growth hormone yeah <laughs> and being rich so yeah that guy that guy could never play a major league sport because he is 97 percent steroid well i guess he could probably play a major league sport let's face it <laughs> If you missed the mini-sode, you would, uh, you would have missed the idea that uh, the Pogues and I decided to... Well, I decided to browse around a little article I found from, from Vulture that was uh, like the top 20 uh, comic book films you didn't know were based on comics. Um, and there were a few surprises in there to me, some not so much, and many that we've already done. Uh, but one stood out as uh, a completely forgettable 2012 action movie, well, action noir movie attempt uh, mm-hmm. called Bullet to the Head which is based on a French graphic novel of the same name. So I dug it up, thought this would be great, thought Pogues would be, uh, or thought Seth would be the perfect co-host. And on those parts, I was mostly wrong, uh, except for the yes. Seth part. Because yeah, this I, feel was... like, I feel like you probably sold this to Seth, because if you watch the trailer, you're like, oh, this is like a shitty Stallone action yeah. film from the 80s, just filmed in 2012. And... Sess the guy, you know he loves shitty action. I do. Films, it's right? it, it. I watched. I you know I, I like to watch the trailer, kind of see how they present it, and the trailer is uh, most of the best parts of this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. And the uh, mm-hmm. the director, I don't know if it's the director or the producer, but I guess him and Sylvester Stallone had wanted to work on a movie together for a long time, and uh, they said uh, the quote I found was when Sly and I first talked about doing it i told him i thought if i told him i thought if we did it as an homage to 70s and 80s action films and if he got a haircut and if we played it not at some some crazy level and left a little room for humor everything would probably work out (laughs) so that was the like "Eh, we'll make an action movie sure and that's it 
but, no, but they fail. But at that. <laughs> and by director uh, Pogues, just or, or Seth, just to recap from the mini episode, you're referring to uh, Walter Hill, the writer and director of the Warriors in Forty Eight Hours. Really? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> this is one of those. This podcast has taught me and Ben one thing: people in Hollywood have horrible careers. Like people, you would be like. You'd be like, hey, you know the guy who uh, wrote the screenplay for Aliens? You're like, yeah, he's probably never done anything terrible. He has. <laughs> and we had to watch it. <laughs> You're fucking wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah, Walter it's, Hill has, it's crazy. Walter Hill has produced and written on every single Aliens film. That's uh, yeah. Every single one. Blown. And this is this is what he's doing with his time now. <laughs> this motherfucker wrote one of like the best site. Like he he's credited or uncredited for like writing the story to the original Alien screenplay. Which is his rewrite was which used. is a foundational film you know like, yes. yeah like, yeah like, absolutely. like the sci-fi film next you know it's i mean it's an amazing film like a space horror film so good and then you watch this and you think how must have been like a fluke you know like he, he there was a gas leak in his apartment when he wrote <laughs> aliens and it made him sane for or 40 minutes or he was something. on a lot of shrooms or something because it was you know. yeah or like his neighbor wrote it for him and he just took credit i don't know it's just so weird unsurprisingly also, also, with this film though is stallone did his own uncredited rewrite which is something he's known yeah for yeah i was i was gonna because what i got while watching this film as we get get into it here is reminding of um we did we did the original judge dread um mm-hmm. not, not the dread remake but the original judge dread with stallone and one of the one of the things that stuck out to me is that it was so bizarre that he took the helmet off in like three minutes into the film yeah he, and then he kept... wears that helmet as much as i've worn the judge <laughs> helmets. oh you're judge dread <laughs> uh, yeah. i tried it on once at a convention yeah, yeah some that, guy was like see if it'll fit i put it on i was like don't like this hope you didn't have head lice <laughs> um but he takes it off right away because it's stallone he was not gonna let a movie go by where he wasn't his face wasn't all over it no, you know what i mean you have that kind of star power in the 90s and the director cited that stallone wrote a lot of the 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 <clears throat> humor into the script oh oh, oh. <laughs> that, that makes sense he, he has a, a certain type of humor yeah and that humor is not funny <laughs> and the, like, that, that humor in this film which we'll get into is racism yeah. yeah stallone's sense of humor is like the definition of something that's not funny like if you watch the expendables uh. movies there's all these attempts to be funny and it's like watching like a 90 year old man try to be funny by like quoting something he kind of read on the internet it's just so upsetting. it's real like it's real like uh dad it's like dad humor and you know it's like <laughs> just it's dad humor without even like the groan worthiness it's like a dad joke where it would just be like i mowed the grass huh yep. i'm a dad you know it's <laughs> like that's not i guess that was my like seinfeld dad i kicked <laughs> that grass's ass yeah there we go yeah like just so bad um but but uh, 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 this movie, Pogues, I think might set a record for us, which is what I mean by that is the shortest origin story ever. Because oh, a yes. film called Bullet to the Head begins with Stallone putting a bullet in someone's yeah. head. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say this movie sets a record for the least number of lighting rigs a film has ever used. <laughs> the beginning of this movie was so dark, I thought something. I thought my monitor was breaking. I was like, oh my god, what's wrong with my monitor? The color. And then I opened up a regular website and I was like, oh. Huh. This, I had to turn the this, brightness up to like two hundred percent. This movie was so dark. I thought I was watching the 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 Battle of Winterfell episode, right, guys? <laughs> mm-hmm. Remember that was dark. 
Do you remember that episode? Was- I, that's that's almost <laughs> as good as the uh, the earlier um, Mr. Ed reference that Pogues made. That, that wasn't on. That wasn't recorded, Seth. We don't need to bring up my Mr. <laughs> I just Ed I know it wasn't recorded. It wasn't part of this, but I I didn't want it to get lost to time. I try to look cool on the internet. You're killing it. <laughs> um, but this movie introduces. It attempts to do, I think, some some fun plot plot dance work by showing us a scene from about I don't know seventy five percent into the film. Yeah, I will say I will say I've never seen a movie be like, hey, you know, usually when you see a movie that's like, here's the end, and we're gonna flash back to show you what happened. It's like the last fifteen minutes of the movie. The scene that takes place, there's still like forty five minutes left. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> and it happens. Yeah. So when it happened, I was like, "This movie's already over." And then no, it just kept I, going. I feel like when they went to Kinko's to make copies of the script for everyone, <laughs> they like accidentally like did half of it and got it in the wrong order, and they just ran with yeah, it. Yeah, somebody they dropped because it. this movie has like three different starting points in it. There's and then like the the intro sequence itself, I think, was thirty minutes of the movie of just like slow pan, uh, really poorly photoshopped mug shots of Sylvester Stallone yes. through time. Which and I feel like one. Of, I feel like this movie got sued because one of them is straight up a still from uh, Rambo. <laughs> He's wearing his his uh vietnam yeah. jacket in it and i was like um i hope the same studio made this so these people are going to be sued you can't just use a photo of a person from a movie yeah. but, but they're all just photos from movies and it's like really clear I, I do agree with seth though this movie was paced the same way that you would start writing a sign a big sign in sharpie where uh you you are way too overzealous at the yeah. very beginning, and then you realize, oh, we don't have that much time. Because, well, yeah, there's, like... There's eight letters in this yeah. word. I thought I could fit it all on this poster yeah. board. <laughs> nope. I'm, at, I'm at letter three, and I'm halfway across. Uh, like, because they open up on this, like, this murder sequence uh, where the, the main character is there to murder a senator, I believe? Uh, no, or no, the, the, someone the, important. The, the movie starts with the cop being in the car. Well, yes, that part. And then he kills him. Then you get what I would call hands down, as anybody who's listened to this may know, I hate, like, openings to movies, like, where they have to show, like, a graphic or something. Like, just start the movie and just put the people's names at the bottom. I don't need to watch 40 minutes of people's names. This movie has, I think, the worst one I've ever seen because it's just an actor poorly pretending to do cocaine for, like, two and a half Yeah, it was so awkward. In a pair of boxer briefs. And he's very poorly trying to drink. And at one point, there's just a topless woman, and I was like, "Doesn't make it any better, guys. I'm sorry, nope. <laughs> boobs aren't gonna sink." I mean, they just kept cutting back to this guy who is not like a famous actor, but he's in like a ton of stuff. Uh, I can't think of his name. There right is now, a so I'm gonna the whole cast of this movie is is uh, lots of B's and C's uh, in in yes, this. Yes, yes, this this guy's definitely a C. A whole McCall McCallany. He was in like um, yeah, what, Mindhunters, what, uh, Fight Club. He was in Aliens Three, which maybe that's how he got this role because he knew the guy. B's and uh, C's. What is this? My high school report card. <laughs> <laughs> he he was in Special Victims Unit uh-huh. for like six years. Well, everyone's been in SVU. Yeah, <laughs> you you can't well, be an actor if you haven't been in SVU. He was also in Criminal Intent for a while. He like you would recognize him if you saw him because. All, He's like played a cop or a crooked cop in like eight hundred different things, and in this Pugs, movie I think... he plays 
a crooked I think cop. I think I have an IMDb credit for SVU. Yeah, I think yeah. I was in an episode well, where I was I moving if, boxes. If, if you live and, in, if you live in New York City, you've been in yes. Law and Order. Like not I'm like pretty in the sure I'm saying like I'm as, pretty a, sure, as a featured player. I'm pretty sure I was wearing like you know a knit hat and I was stacking crates and then they the, then the detectives came to talk to me and I said I don't know nothing and I just kept stacking crates. See, I'm in I'm pretty sure that. where I find the body when I'm out with my friend and uh, he's drunk and he goes to throw up and he almost throws up on the body. I'm like, oh man, we gotta call the cops. That's the yeah. voice I did. I that sounds heard. right. <laughs> yeah. So the Seth, yeah, you, you guys a, remember you episode, an episode of us? Briscoe <laughs> makes a joke about uh, the person being dead. Yeah, so there's the really just drawn out scene in uh, in the hotel, and they go. Uh, Stallone and his partner go and kill this guy for some for some reason. Very, very poorly. Well, he he's they were paid to. Kill okay, him. I missed that. I guess. But here's the thing that makes no sense: they show up and they're like, "Hey, we're cops. We need to come in." He's like, "I know my rights," and they, he's like, "Gonna close the door," and then they just push it in. Why do they need to pretend to be cops? There's no one. It's a hotel. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's like an apartment building where people are going to be like, who's outside? Nobody gives a shit. You're in a fucking hotel. Just knock the door when the guy opens it up. But yeah, like, so they kill him. And later on, they explain it. But it's explained so poorly and so confusingly. That guy is used to be a cop who's now a crooked cop because he got into... I thought this was interesting. The... The detective from DC said he became a bad cop. He got into drinking and gambling. It's like I think that's. Oh no! I think you just described like a, cop. a like a lot like, of cops. <laughs> yeah, I, like a lot of people yeah. too. A lot of people are into drinking and yeah. gambling. I just saw the dude do like what appeared to be two blocks of cocaine. So maybe start off with drugs. Yeah. That one might be a little more of a bad thing. He was a good cop, and then he got really into video games and drinking yep. beer. That's yeah. a shame. Uh, he enjoys occasionally going to fast food restaurants. so far. Um, <laughs> As a little treat. <laughs> uh, but he apparently was investigating a case of... A, I don't understand why this was this guy's job, because this is wouldn't be the job of the police. It would be the job of the FBI. He's investigating a senator and finds out that the crime boss, whose name I don't remember, uh, Modell, I think was his name, paid a senator all this money to... S- basically give him a contract in what i think was supposed to be new orleans i really yeah. couldn't tell where the fuck they were supposed to be new orleans yeah um yeah and that was it so this guy had uh, a file that i somebody kept i don't know who kept this file that showed that the they had paid the congressman off and they had to get it back because otherwise this guy would lose the land deal wow pokes you you understand so much about this movie that i missed but i I should i should point out you guys can't see me i'm raising my hands in that thing where you're like i think like but you also you also draw attention to a profound flaw in this plot which is that who the fuck cares like you couldn't get a more boring conceit all i could think about was when we watched when we finally watched the old superman movie from yeah. like the the seventies and eighties or whatever, just about trying to create beachfront property. Yeah, when we find out that that Lex Luthor's big plan was just to buy a bunch of property in in like the American Southwest and then raise its value, I'm like, I couldn't think I, of something less menacing. I, I would also say this is even worse. At least in Superman, he plans on sinking California into the ocean. Right, so that that's, that's the fun part. Yeah, <laughs> this guy appears to have bought all abandoned buildings. <laughs> 
tear it. Oh, oh no. He's, he's going to tear this place down and build a shopping center. It's like, yes, this is a derelict foundry. Nobody's going to use this. Like, it's not being used for anything. Shouldn't he have been buying, like, low-income yeah, housing? So I knew a he was a bad guy. Church. He appeared to just be doing urban renewal. Yeah. And, and then... So, like, we barely know why Sylvester Stallone's character is important because he's, like, a hitman who killed the one that one cop in the beginning of the movie. Well, I will say this, too. You don't find out who the guy is he killed for, like, 25 to 30 yeah. minutes. They don't explain why he needed to be killed until so late in the movie that I was confused who they were talking about <laughs> until I realized it was the guy from the... I was like, he hasn't killed anybody recently. And I was like, oh, it's the dude from the beginning? But yeah, they, they don't bring it up until uh, Han from Fast and the Furious. I don't remember any of the characters. Well, names. and Mr. Echo is in this from Lost. Uh, yes, yes, he's the yeah. bad guy. Um, he'll always be Mr. Uh, let's Echo see, what's, to me. What, what was this guy's name? How is he not... Well, well, the the main character's name is Bobo. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, I, yeah, they call I him have... Bobo. Which apparently is some reference to another movie he's in. So I don't even think... That's the character's name from the comic book. I just because a trivia thing popped up. I, uh, ahead, I wrote. I just wrote the first time they called him Bobo. I just wrote down Bobo. Ha 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 in my notes because I was like, that is the least badass name for like a a muscly, you know, gruff yeah. hitman. Is like, come on, Bobo. I'm like, that's that's what you if, call a little monkey. It, <laughs> If I if I, to, if I told you that the protagonist of one of the films we did in this podcast was named Bobo, would you think it was Sylvester Stallone's bullet to the head or Howard yeah, the Duck? Howard the Duck, one hundred times. Yeah, yeah, it, it is crazy, and it's like the only time I've really ever heard Bobo used is like outside of like a person's name is people use it like to mean like a like a knockoff of something I've heard before. So I was like, mm. no, in this case, it's because his name is James Bonomo. Um, but yep. but yeah, that, we, that easily goes to Bobo. We also we also witness another sequ- another another moment in this introductory sequence, which is which is Sylvester Stallone Bobo stepping into the bathroom to discover the hooker. Which is funny that he seems surprised to see the hooker, considering that the character they just killed said moments ago, "I'm about to get laid." Yes. So I don't know what they thought that was it, supposed it, to be. There's a shower running, and he's bone dry, yeah. covered in cocaine, but bone dry. Bone dry. Also, but, this is this is a weird conceit in the movie. So the hooker is in the shower. She turns her back, and she has, like, a panther tattoo. And mm-hmm. so Bobo doesn't kill her. He just shoots the wall above her. And when he walks out, he says, oh, I took care of it. Later in the movie, which I think maybe, like, ten minutes later, he says that he's a hitman, but he has rules. No women and no children. Um, It seems like... You would have killed her had she not had the panther tattoo. So you don't even follow your own fucking rules. Yeah. It's like you don't have any rules. Don't try to pretend like you're a hitman with I, a heart of gold. Don't try to steal a line from I, the I was just going to say, I think that they were just, you know, trying to crib from better, much, much better uh, yeah, A well-done movie about a where, hitman? Where, like, you know, like in the professional, like, they make, Jean Reno's character, like you really understand him as a person as the movie goes on. In this movie, it's yeah. just Sylvester Stallone being like 
moved from scene to scene saying words and i'm like fuck you movie (laughs) like you're like don't try to make this person an actual person because you already lost us like 40 minutes ago it's too late it's too late (laughs) and and then they also at one point they try to build up like uh his daughter is talking to me she's like what if i told you he grew up on the street it's like what the fuck does that mean tons of people grow up on the street and aren't hired hitmen like that doesn't make him a redeeming make, character he joined the military and got making out, the so. uh making the, i mean you this this the this whole screenplay is just a disaster and like it's just all and, yeah and i and like i i think that like they knew like the director and sylvester so knew that this was just gonna be like cliches and i'm not like expecting the most original movie but there's so many things that to me overcomplicate the movie like if this was just like a straight up action movie and like it's a corrupt cops and a congressman and drug deals but they like kept adding layers of like like the 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 tattoo artist woman should have just been somebody sylvester stallone knew it didn't like she didn't need to be his daughter but then it couldn't have been a cliche that he goes to this girl and they don't say who she is and you're like oh he's probably banging her and then it's my daughter it's his daughter what a twist. Yeah. I do want to bang her. I do want to bang her. You got that part right. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. You saw that. Ben, it's actually, I do want to bang her. I, I do want to bang her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, so, after we're done setting up the, I mean, this, the plot that we're about, we're getting dropped on, is kind of like when you start the Phantom Menace and they talk about trade disputes. Like, you yes, cannot be more boring, <laughs> and you cannot detract more from what could be amusing action. And I'll like, say this: I'd rather watch the trauma scenes from Phantom Menace because <laughs> this movie, there's like, it's one of those movies where like two changes would have made sense. Uh, Stallone's partner gets killed because they were hired by people. They they try to kill them to you know clean up any loose ends. A cop shows up because it turns out the guy he killed or whatever, blah blah blah, was his partner. Now, he wants to get revenge on the people who killed his partner, and Stallone wants to get revenge, and so the cop and him go rogue. That would be a much better movie, and then it's just a revenge movie. I don't need, like, this really boring attempt to be like, well, I'm all about law and order. you got to do things my way, and then Stallone being like, I'm not going to, and the cop being like, whoa, okay. Because that's all that happens. And by the way, that's exactly well, yeah, we're what struck the, with... the characters sound like in the movie. Too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Pretty spot on. We're, stu- we're, we're stuck with two problems, uh, or actually one problem with in two different times, which is that Stallone has no chemistry with his original partner or his new partner. Yes. There is, there is no reason for me to believe that Stallone would be profoundly upset about his friend, uh, whatever his name is, uh, uh, the, uh, Louis, 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 whatever, from, from the beginning, dying. There's no reason because he seems to be annoyed by him throughout the entire job they're doing. And then when the guy fucks up, you know, not even killing the guy when they had every reason to be able to kill him, uh, he seems he, to be he like had done so much coke, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> like when they get to the bar where Jason Momoa appears to be the villain and kills uh, his partner, there's like he, he, Stallone seems so irritated with this guy. And then later yes. for him to just be like standing on a wharf and being like, I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll get him back for you. There's well, he's this- like, he's like, he was my partner. It's like, you guys aren't, this isn't really? like a profession that has partners. Like hitmen, yeah. I don't think work in yeah. pairs. But also when they first showed up, it was like a, uh, like bring your kid to work day. 
Like the guy, he was like forty years younger than Stallone. He has like yes. a dumb haircut, and I was like, "Is this like a training program, like a Big Brother, Big Sister <laughs> sort of?" But for hitmen, bring your child to your hitman job day. Yeah, honestly, hey man, just it, it doesn't have to be an office job. That's a very narrow view of yeah. work. <laughs> that's a be- that's a better plot device than what we ended up with, um, because after after Jason Momoa, Aquaman shows up. By the way. Oh, uh, yeah. Appearing again on our on our podcast, huh? Hot hot off hot off of that Game uh, of I, Thrones I, reference. Ben I made. also want to say that <laughs> I thought it was hysterical because uh, in real life, Sylvester Stallone is only five eight. Yeah, he's he's. I don't even think I've heard. He's I, I'm yeah, guy. maybe that's like you know with platform shoes and stuff on, but I, he's not. I've heard he's like he's five not four. a tall man. Like you know, no, he's no. like a below average height. So him. Next to Jason Momoa, who's like six five or something, is like comical to me because Stallone, Stallone, by himself and like up against your average person, looks threatening. But then to like make Jason Momoa's character—I mean, to 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 make that character the actor Jason Momoa, who's like just this massive human—he looks yes. like he could just thrash sylvester stallone <laughs> in like two seconds and well also the fact that jason momoa is like 29 yeah. in this movie and sylvester stallone's like 79 <laughs> i just um, i mean it, it's crazy yeah jason momoa is like just a little over 30 in that's this amazing movie, and sylvester stallone is a little over a lot more than that. Like, <laughs> he's, he's, he's like 66 in this movie, I yeah, think. It's he, Oh, no, he might be. No, he can't be that old. Yeah, he, he's 66. He, he was 66 in this movie. I, I looked it up because I was curious. <laughs> um, but but post-death post of Louis, uh, uh, we get Taylor Kwan showing up. So, so oh, wait, Kang, real quick. Can we talk about one thing about when yeah. uh, Jason Momoa shows up? Uh, to go off Seth's, he's such a big man. He gets a, he he basically walks up and like pretends to trip and stabs a man four times in a bar, and no one notices because they're playing this really bad like Creole music. And then he goes into the bathroom to kill Stallone, and they get in this really sad fight. But at one point, Stallone kicks a trash can at him, and he trips. And when he trips, he hits a sink, and it sh- oh yeah, <laughs> it like explodes. That's not. I mean, you would have to hit a sink really hard to break it like this i mean he breaks it and then it falls off the wall i don't know why it made me laugh so hard i was like did he just trip and break a sink it it explodes (laughs) into powder i mean like yes (laughs) it's as if someone shot it with a bullet hey who broke who broke the sugar sink (laughs) yeah yeah and then somehow momoa loses and you're like i don't and why didn't he just bring a gun if he was gonna go in and kill a guy in the bathroom he could just had a silence he also opened the door and shot him he also enters the bathroom like flipping the knife in the air, which yes. is like terrible technique for an assassin. Yeah, he should have just walked in like he's gonna take a piss, and as he walks by, just stab him. I mean, you're in a bar; yeah. people go to the bathroom. And that's that. Real quick though, that's part of the reason why this movie fails, which is that yeah, it's a it's a it's a dumb action movie. But we like these movies because of the occasional moments where we see either a villain or hopefully both the villain and the hero be clever or creative. I don't even need to be clever or creative; just do something interesting. 
Instead right. of grabbing to, a man and falling onto a toilet. To have to have a move, to outwit, to, to, to have some sort of like like dramatic like 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 take where you where you trick the guy to turn so you can stab I don't know. Something happening. But there's nothing in any of these scenes where any character illustrates or, or exhibits any kind of like cleverness or intelligence. Namely, an excellent segue into <laughs> the next part. When we talk about an absence of intelligence, introducing Taylor Kwan, the cop oh who God. doesn't learn and knows nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Kwan shows up. He, he Taylor makes Kwan like... is arguably a worse cop than the guy who was doing blow for the first two minutes <laughs> of the movie. Taylor Kwan shows up, makes like presumably four phone calls before delivering any lines of his own. Wait, hold on. Two. Can we talk about these fucking phone calls? Oh my god, I don't he understand. Keeps, he keeps calling and goes, "I need a quick lookup on," and then says the guy's name, and he says, "Thanks." Hangs up. For them to call back 20 seconds later, just stay on the goddamn phone. <laughs> Quit making this person call you I had, back. You're yeah, an asshole. I had so many problems I can with imagine. the phone. The phones in this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which they even bring up that like the movie is like way too many phone calls. Like He's like, look at you. You think you're so great with your phone. It's like, don't bring up the fact that there's too many phone calls in this movie. But we're supposed to be given this idea that he's the cop doing the research. But really, it's not interesting to watch a cop just call he's a guy. He's not doing the research. He's calling someone. Who's yeah, he's doing calling the someone. Who's also that, amazing at their job because they call right. back in 20 seconds with like a person's entire life history. That is full stop. The only thing Taylor does of any merit from start to finish of this film. The only he, other he thing he does. The only th- thing he does in this movie, and he has a lot of screen time because he is the partner in this buddy cop that doesn't actually have anything to contribute. The only thing he shows in an Im- is an immense amount of strength not to stab Stallone in the head for his 15th Asian joke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, and these are like, I don't know, just like racism's, you know, not really a funny bit, you know? But it doesn't even like try like we were talking about rush hour like the rush hour a decent amount of that there's like a bunch of jokes about him not being able to speak english and being asian and they're at least like attempts at jokes at one point in this movie stallone's just listing stereotypes about like asians, asians can't drive is like yeah and he's like he's like that's a fact that's not a joke that's yeah. just a complete racist yeah, it statement. wasn't like there's no it's not played for levity he's just being racist it's so bizarre. Yeah, and like the, uh, the there's no like Taylor Kwan, Taylor Kwan, right? The actor. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, the, the character. character. Yeah. The character. Uh, yes. Like they could have done something where like Taylor, you know, Taylor goes to the driver's side and is like, "Hey, give me the keys. I'm gonna drive or whatever." And they could have had like a like a like a back and forth, but it's just. Stallone driving and he basically just turns to Taylor and says Asians can't drive <laughs> and it's like not yes it's, it's, it's like because like, ab- he says something else about them he says something about like eating spicy sauce or something I forget what he says yeah and I was like is that a like a stereotype he references then, pow- powder white tiger he calls him Tonto yes that's right he says he should eat tiger <laughs> yeah. peas and the guy uh, says oh what are you gonna do next tell me we uh, I can't drive and he's like Asians can't drive it's like again this, these that's aren't a jokes fact. guys like you, but yeah, also, you can't just state something and be like that's the joke because he's racist also if you were watching a film and a character displayed ignorance and looked at some other character and was like you can't do this 
and then the other protagonist you would expect would then later do that thing very yes. well. That's a classic setup. Like, you can't drive. I'm an old, ignorant, you know, like, dinosaur. You, you know, I think you're an Asian, you can't drive. Next scene, car chase, you know, Taylor is fucking ripping it up, Fast and the Furious style, getting them out of there. No. That's because Taylor doesn't have anything to do. <laughs> yeah, you, you referred to him as the buddy in the buddy cop movie. He's the like casual acquaintance in the buddy cop movie. He's right. just in the background because they were like, we need two people in this car. It looks weird that Stallone keeps talking to himself. Because he you know, does nothing. In a buddy cop film, both cops are, are, are both capable, but they have different approaches to crime fighting. That's the classic setup. <laughs> one's a wild cannon, one's by the books, but but that that both the, the meticulous research and the uncanny wild like like wild X factor both like accomplish something at different intervals. Even in Turner and Hooch, Hooch is useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's as if like it was a lethal weapon, but it's like Riggs and then that cop from the a dead guy. show, the guy <laughs> yeah. who has like the, the bullet in his pocket. I can't think of the actor's name. Because because Taylor shows up is, ex- is is he's dismissed by the police the police uh, chief there who who doesn't want him investigating the crime. Then he begins to catch whiffs that this crime that he's investigating has ties to mayors and even to uh, corrupt cops who he finds and who try to kill him. Yet throughout the movie, including after being shot at by corrupt cops, he calls the police chief up again yes. to give him updates. And he's not at all concerned why there's no news stories about all these people that keep dying. Like, people keep dying in this movie and the cops never investigate. He's never once like, huh, that's weird. All these people associated with this mob boss keep dying, but no one ever talks about it on the news. It's almost as if the police are covering it up. Well, yeah, like, talk. He also gets a... Go ahead, Ben. I I was just going to say, he also gets a literal flash drive that shows the payments that went out to people to bribe them into the crime, which I assume would include payments... To the police chief, but as soon as he finds he the flash drive, he he calls the police chief and was like, "Hi, could I meet you alone and give you this?" Oh, there was another thing I liked about that flash di- flash drive scene when they're looking at it and they're like opening up the files that are on the flash drive, and there's like a they like zoom in on the screen and it's a bunch of like dollar amounts and he goes, um, "I wrote it down." He goes, "Those are money transfers." But it's like, it was money. It was like a dollar sign in numbers. Yeah, and he's yeah, like, these are money transfers. Like, it's a, like, oh, a, shit. like a big discovery. And I was like, that was a terrible line. But the, going back to what you said a second ago, Ben, like the whole, like, you know, oh, this is a movie where we're going to play off these cliches and everything. And I, they talked about, like, Sylvester Stallone, like made fun of him about like driving and all the racist things. And then also just, they had like a three minute exchange about how Sylvester Stallone, you know, can, can kill you with a knife and you know, what are you going to do with your cell phone? You can't kill anybody with that. And I was like, there's for sure going to be the final scene in the movie where like, you know, he uses the phone to like knock somebody out, you know, hit, hit him in the back of the head. It like never comes up again. They set up, they set up a hundred things where like this movie's all Chekhov. Yeah. Guns, and then somebody comes in the third act and takes them and puts them in. A yeah. Safe. Like, you know, <laughs> can't get to he, his guns out of bullets. And so he throws the phone at a guy and knocks him out. And, you know, Sylvester Stallone says a one liner yeah, about it. It would have been, 
Yeah, like, if he had, like, broken the glass, like he said, and, like, pulled out a piece and, like, slid a dude's throat or something to save Stallone, it would have been like, oh, yeah. cool, callback. Yeah. Him do- him being good at driving would have been but interesting. The also fun thing would be that this by-the-books cop who trusts the police force empirically without any question would learn that there's a gray area and he would learn to sort of embrace like the rule breaking that you see from the uh the successful stallone who by the way never makes a single mistake like like it is you you'd think he would like start to become a little bit like let his hair down and become a bit more of a a loose cannon no he he remains naive and he remains confused and at the most, he gets to shoot a guy at the end of the movie, and then the movie comes to an yeah. end. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it's it's n- neither one of the characters grows. Like <laughs> no, the cop doesn't all. become like more. You know, at, like it's like I'm gonna be a wild card. Stallone is just like I'm a badass. I'm a badass the whole movie. But he's not really a badass. In most of the scenes where he's like doing something cool, he's the only person with a gun. Like, <laughs> most people are badasses when one person's armed and no yeah. one else's. Uh, yeah, and then, so there's, like, there's, like, the, 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 well, it's not even really an action scene. They just shoot a guy in a hotel. It's not, like, a big shootout. It's not, like, a big set piece. And then there's, like, one or two more, like, some gunfire. Yeah, there's, there's the awkward fight scene in the bathroom. The second, with the second act is them in different cars discussing things that is like 60 percent of this movie is conversations in cars it's, it's either it's either stallone and kwan having a conversation or christian slater delivering oh god exposition. christian slater <laughs> yeah. also just to go to your point uh you may uh like yeah all they do is sit in those cars it's absurd uh but christian slater is did he just wander onto yeah, the god. set and they like felt bad for him, so they gave him some lines. His his introduction, they they show Keegan, who that's Jason Momoa's character's name, comes to this house where uh, what 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 is the guy's name? Morel is his actual name, uh, Mister Echo from Lost, and then I don't remember what Slater's character's name is, Baptiste. Okay, they're sitting there talking, and the guy walks in and says, "Ah, that he got away." Slater then gets up and is like, "Look." We need to kill that guy because we had him go and kill this cop who was investigating this senator, and he has a file that shows that we bribed this senator so we could get a land contract. So it's like, why are you telling this guy this? You're just making another witness to that crime. You just explained everything for the reason why you shot the first guy. It was so insane. That's like, I I rewound the scene because I was like, is he literally just explaining the entire plot to this random dude? He's just refreshing yeah. your memory. Uh, it was it was so good. Yeah, and like they and the the morale guy's just like, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, keep telling. Yeah, explain. <laughs> you forgot about this bit though, where if anybody were to find out, I guess it would null my contracts, which I don't think that's what would happen. But I just couldn't believe that like how much detail Slater gave, and that's like his opening line, and then he doesn't say anything again until you see him in the eyes wide shut party. Oh. I gotta say that part had sent me because all I could think of was the episode of Always Sunny where they attend an orgy in a dingy <laughs> apartment and everyone is schlubby but they are wearing masks because everyone at this party is dressed well and I have a couple of important questions. Number one, everyone that arrived at this party was a male in a tuxedo wearing a mask carrying a either nude or lingerie 
wearing female also wearing a mask. A nude woman who is it probably his daughter's age. However, <laughs> every this is man important. Who walked in has erectile dysfunction due to age. <laughs> they all arrived that way. Is this yes. a bring your own prostitute party? <laughs> yes. Is that Here's is the that thing what that I loved was there's a guy at the door checking people in. It's a costume party. I don't know how the fuck you're checking people in. Stallone and uh Quan show up <laughs> in I don't know why. Bobo and Quan show up in mask and then t-shirts and jeans. T- t-shirts and, the and jeans. The guy at the door is not like I don't think you guys are involved <laughs> in this party full of all rich white dudes. Like also, I think maybe you're not supposed to be here. Just 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 pick a plain white mask that covers half the face you don't need this weird mask that you made out of paper mache and newspaper no kwan you don't need this russian praetorian helmet that draws so much attention to what you. i loved though was they're watching everybody walk in and he's like these masks could maybe come in handy and stone's like yeah i i got I, I got a plan they then show them drive and do like a romantic comedy getting ready for a date like a date showing them in different outfits like they were trying on different masks and i was like yeah. what the fuck i wrote that down yeah. like i was waiting for there to be like a soft music yeah i wrote down out. costume montage question mark <laughs> yes. Yes, Sloan, like, so for a couple of them sloan was like nah but then for one of them he was like uh-huh <laughs> yeah it was like it was like watching like she's all that or something and like she's just trying on different outfits and, just like, and what then the fuck is happening the, the important part is they picked the worst ones. <laughs> well, then what's weird is they show them like looking at masks and being like, yeah. Then they show up at the party and they're both wearing different masks than the ones we saw them yeah, settle some, on in the montage. continuity issues for sure. And also, why not just get like a blazer while you're out? Fuck's sake. Yes. <laughs> get anything not to look so, so, so think- impossibly schlubby. While they're there, they kidnap Christian Slater's character. And later, uh, the, the mob boss is complaining to his security guard. And the guy's like, well, drunk people wander in and out of these parties all the time. Dude, you're a security guard. <laughs> if, if, that, is that a ha- if that's happening, you are terrible yeah. at your job. You should be stopping every drunk person. It's New Orleans. 75% of people are drunk. If, if you were if you were a gate guard at, like, a mansion and, like, the place got robbed, you couldn't be like, oh, yeah, criminals just... <laughs> Just Criminals happens. Just come in and out of here all the time. Just happens sometimes, you know. It's and it like it, it's supposed to be too. Like he, it's like you know, like politicians and like you know the chief of police. Like all these people are here who are like, like again, it's like an eyes wide shut party because all the women are just naked for some reason and everyone's wearing a weird mask. But they're just letting random people come in as long as they have a mask on. We can't stop them. It was that was one of my favorite bits, the, and the the, the, the fucking dollar store orgy that we had we we had to watch yes. to get this sequence where we also see that this character Christian Slater, uh, the, the the character Christian Slater is playing who Great is irrelevant, who is irrelevant because it's made clear that he's just like some some random middleman, just just, a, just a lawyer, yeah, yeah, some random middleman to this very boring crime. But what uh, I like is to try to make him look like a bad guy. He recognizes all the people, even in their mask. Like he's just like walking around, being like, "Hey, man, how are you doing? Hey, how, what's going on? Oh, you look great, Karen." I'm like, "What the fuck is happening right now?" And then his big thing is he's gonna pee in the glass of the mob boss he works for, which I didn't really understand. Look, pee is not gonna blend really well with scotch. You're making a mistake. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna notice. 
if it's a Long Island iced tea, you might have a shot. But but <laughs> but a thin more than one ingredient. A a single like a, a a finger of scotch is not going to to, to disguise your urine, Christian Slater. And I Especially wish it was the only time I'd have to say like, that. It's like five fingers worth of liquid in there, and you're like. Um, you just sip scotch. I shouldn't have this much of it. Just that guy being like, this is clearly pee. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to drink Mm, this. Yum, yum. (laughs) But, so they kidnap him. And this was, this was like another scene where I felt like a lot of the movie was like, you could tell where it had been rewritten, I think. Because Christian Slater's character is like, I ain't telling you shit. You're going to fucking die. You ain't going to know shit. Then Morel's going to come down. He's going to murder you guys. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to kill. I'm going to like, I hit you once in the chest with the butt of a gun. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll tell you everything. And then he proceeds to tell them everything. And he's like, I just don't want to die, man. I don't want to die. Here's what I know. He tells them everything. And then at the end of it, he's like, and you know what? That guy's going to come. He's going to fucking kill you. And I'm going to be there and I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch you die. It's like, wait, you can't go from being like, I'm not going to tell you anything to instantly telling everything to now going back to being like, you're fucking dead, man. You can't. And then he gets shot. I'm like, how did he not see yeah, that coming? Again, it's just you're, like. You're mocking a dude with a shotgun in front of you who you know is a hitman. And then, so, and that, that scene takes place in the, in like uh, Sylvester Stallone's safe house, right? That's what he calls it. Yes. And it's like yeah. wired with It's a place where he goes to get diphtheria. all the explosives Dip- that exist. Yes. Uh but set on the world's slowest explosive yeah. timer. And but then uh uh like they show up and he blows up the safe house and then they just leave. They're just like, "Yeah, it's fine. Yes. We we assume everyone is dead and like Jason Momoa pops up out of the out of the lake again or whatever." And I'm just like you didn't check? There's so many things wrong with that scene. You have, like, the weird Slater, like, just being, like, bipolar in his reactions to things. Then Momoa shows up with, like, four guards, and their plan is just to blindly shoot through a building. <laughs> yeah. That is the least effective way to attempt to murder a person. Also the messiest. If, you, if you're going to assassinate someone, just walk in there and shoot said person. Yeah. <laughs> or here's the thing. They're on a swamp. The house is surrounded by water on three sides. Just wait for them to walk out the front door. Yeah, there's only them. one. They're going there's to only leave. one way for them to come out. <laughs> yes, they'll either leave or go out on the deck, which you can also see from where you're standing. Then they go through like a secret tunnel and they walk in. They see a bomb and Stallone clicks it. And only one of them goes off in the very front of the house so that there's enough time for Momoa to very slowly, for a, a guy who's in great shape, to run and jump into the water and then it blows up a little more and then blows up yeah. entirely. Why didn't you just trigger it to all blow up at once? Oh, you know, reasons. Yeah. Uh, I had to make sure Momoa lives so I could get this world's worst climax. The other thing that's super annoying about the Christian Slater interrogation is that it's 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 prefix is is Taylor explaining that he is he is quite good at interrogations and then he's mm-hmm. he studied and trained in interrogations and 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 I knew exactly what was going to come next he was going to fail miserably and then Stallone's going to be like but I'll break your fingers and then that guy would be like all right I I I, I confess and that's exactly what happened which was super except fucking for, disappointing because it starts with Stallone telling the guy that if he doesn't answer this other guy's questions he's going to kill he's going to hurt him so it's like you undercut the whole scene of this guy. If he, if even if he does succeed, it's now undercut by the fact you just threatened to murder the guy. You said I'm going to torture you to death if you don't answer this guy's questions. 
it doesn't matter what this guy does. Yeah, before he's already someone, out there. Before he puts someone in an interrogation room and that person's going to try and, you know, psychologically break down the individual and to work out some information about what they did, you don't have the other cop be like, hey, he's going to talk to you for a few minutes. I'm just going to go get a pipe from my car to kill you with. But <laughs> yes. uh, he's going to ask you some. He's going to ask you some simple questions. Just try and be as honest as you can. But to remind you, again, uh, uh, there is a ticking clock because I am going to crush your skull with a pipe. But yeah. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, like, like, just you better answer or you're dead. Now go ahead. And if you fail, I'm going to laugh at you. But it feels like it's more my fault at that point because the guy's clearly not scared of me. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and then like I said, he, he is like, I'm not going to tell you anything. You're dead. And then he hits him once and it didn't even look like that hard. No, it and he's didn't. like, I'll tell you whatever you want. It's like, couldn't you cut off his finger or something? And then again, though, what's crazy is after he finishes telling them literally everything and giving them the flash drive, which will destroy his boss, he's like, you know what? You're going to die. It's like, why would he keep, why would he antagonize them then? He's just giving them everything they want. Why wouldn't he just be like, so can yeah. I go? That's just my tip to you podcast listeners. If you're ever tied to a chair and you've already spilled the beans, don't start antagonizing yeah. the person afterwards because they have no reason to keep you alive yeah. now. Like just liter- literally digging your own grave at that point. Yeah, you're like, you're like, guess what? There's nothing that I can still give you, but you're stupid and I slept with your mother. What are you going to do about it? Unstable yeah. hitman with a gun? Also, uh, established maybe, I don't know, about eight minutes before you don't like your boss. <laughs> yes. You were going to piss in his glass. You would be like, yeah, I'll sell him out. Just don't kill me. Let you're, me hang out here. You're you're literally like what movies think is the slimiest character on earth, a lawyer. And and so it, oh, what, it would movies be... movies and real life. It would be well within your character's design for you to be like, you know what? He's going to be furious, but if you if you if you get me out of New Orleans, I I will you know give you everything. I mean that's that would be a totally normal thing for him to do. And yeah, then he, sh- it would have made more sense for him to be like, if you guys will go kill him, I'll just hang out here. Yeah, I'll give you all the information you need to arrest him or whatever, and just keep my name out of it. And then hopefully Aquaman won't kill me. Yeah, <laughs> but guess what? Which would have been better had they showed up and like when they were shooting through the walls blindly at nothing, they had hit him. Would have been way better. Yeah. Would have been way more interesting, then, uh, which is the which is the, the plot line of this movie. My problem was this too. There's two scenes where a person who has no leverage antagonizes another person. Like at the end of this movie, the mob boss, who you have to assume is somewhat smart, he's brokered a deal with the senator to buy up a bunch of abandoned buildings in New Orleans and turn them into houses, which I guess is now evil. Um, <laughs> But he's, like, risen to be this crime lord. He escaped Africa where he was, like, a crime lord. All this stuff. And then he's here with this guy, and he has one chubby security guard with him. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go after this guy who I've I've just had a discussion with my head of security as. This dude's super unstable, and I can't trust him. I'm going to antagonize him while I know he has a gun. (laughs) Like, why, why would he? It makes no sense in that scene for him to antagonize him. And, like, be like, yeah, you fucking suck. You're stupid. That's why I hired Stallone to do it. Guess what are you going to do? Shoot me? Oh, fuck, you have a gun and I don't. Yeah, the crime lord guy doesn't have, like, a gun and ten, ten bodyguards yes. around him. And and also, like, it's very confusing because they make it seem like all of the guards who work for this guy are mercenaries. And they all look up to Keegan because he's, like, some famous mercenary. But then... Keegan's just shooting them all at the end of the movie, which my question was, 
didn't you hire all these people yourself? Because that's what the mob boss yeah. said. You're just shooting people who are your friends, I'm pretty sure. It's, it's a mess. The whole thing. And unfortunately, there's just so much padding around these different scenes that, like, you know, who is... Where are the alliances? And who who is, you know, loyal to, to who? And it just all falls apart because none of it matters. You know what I mean? Like, Christian Slater's yeah. character hates his boss. So I was like, oh... You know, he's going to work with, you know, Stallone and and the other guy. And, like, you know, like, they're going to get him into the lawyer's office and surprise, you know, surprise him or something. But, like, nope. They just torture him and, like, he's antagonizing him uh, for no reason. And then they just kill him. So, like, it doesn't really matter either way. Like, nothing that happened before. <laughs> you know, there's, like, nothing at stake. Uh, and then yes. we'll- yeah, there is nothing at stake because, like, the whole time you're just waiting for them to go kidnap his daughter because that's literally the only. Yeah, because you happen. know that's gonna happen. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you know instantly as soon as he's like, "That's my daughter." I'm like, "Well, that that woman's definitely being yeah. kidnapped." But two throughout the movie, you're like, "This guy has nothing else. The only threat is to murder him or his daughter," and there's no fight scenes going on. So I guess they're just gonna kidnap his daughter. And so the whole thing is really boring because you're waiting for nothing to happen. And I guess you're rewarded in the fact that nothing does happen. I was waiting for but some least... kind of like betrayal from the daughter. Like, oh, like Anything. dad was a real piece of shit. So I'm going to I'm actually going to help these guys out. And it was going to be some, you know, big like, you know, surprise plot twist or something. Like I'm on the side of the. Yeah, like she had been fucking Keegan something. something. Like that was her yeah, like would have been way yeah. more interesting. Nope just she gets kidnapped and she's that's just she's just kind of useless <laughs> like nothing happens yeah it's uh, so bizarre and i guess if uh the, the, there's the age-old trope which is that if you if you get to the end of your movie and you feel like you haven't done enough to make it interesting how about an axe fight a oh, climax <laughs> so before we Truer words, never spoken. Uh, but what I loved is before we watched this movie, Seth watched it before both me and Ben. I'm yeah, really I sure. watched it. That's we were in I watched group it chat, ago. And Seth was like, oh my God, there's an axe fight at the end. And that's all I heard. <laughs> and I was like, wow, there's an axe fight at the end. This movie's going to be crazy. And I'm watching it and I'm like, this movie's really crazy. It's, it's really bad. And then the scene is happening at the end. And I'm like, well, this is the end of the movie. There's no way they leave this foundry. And in my mind, I was like, how can they possibly justify these two dudes having an axe fight? Because, like, no one's they carrying can't. an axe. They can't. They, I haven't seen one axe. It's not an old firehouse. But then there happens to be in this I, uh, derelict yes. building that has, no, that has no windows. Not one fucking window is still in existence. They're all cracked and shattered. There's, like, rat shit everywhere. There is a... Like a monument built to people to firefighters who apparently put out a fire in this area. To, yeah, the firefighters saved the building two years yeah. ago. And there's two axes that are like legit in axes. Pristine <laughs> They're real condition. fire axes. They've been yeah. sharpened. <laughs> I, I'm pr- this is a strange <laughs> sentence for me to have to say, which I know I've said it in many other episodes of this podcast. But axes for a firefighter memorial probably aren't sharp. Yeah. Here's also another thing. <laughs> If you've had a piece of metal in an abandoned warehouse that has no doors or windows, I'm going to guess 
they are completely rusted out and would and not the, function and the, anymore. <laughs> you can't just leave metal it exposed was so, to the elements. It was so, like... Like, they're in, I think they said it It was, like, it used to be, like, an auto plant or something. I can't remember. Like, they, they the the plaque of the commemorative axes inside the building for no it, reason. It was it was to say that the there was firefighters who had died putting out a fire on wherever yeah, they were and at I'm before. Like, so it was, like, there was, I assume there was, like, some big fire in 1910 in New Orleans that I just don't know about because I don't live there. Something. You know stuff <laughs> but like but it was then, someone someone was like axe fight like someone wrote that note like on their yes. laptop you know 12 years ago and was like axe fight i want a movie with an axe fight how what's the most convoluted way i can get this set up who carries yeah. axes seth that's yeah. the problem how can we possibly have axes be in a building not like in a firebox because there's never axes yeah. in those Oh wait, though firemen. What if there's a plaque yeah. <laughs> just like... commemorating some firemen, and they left real axes yeah. in it? Or, or they could have just dressed. They could have pretended that an old firehouse was the place where the yes. bad guy was, was the, hanging one of the out. Like, yeah. Or maybe you just make it that Jason Momoa's character carries a couple of axes with him. Like, that could have been his like thing. his weapon. Like that could have been his like assassin, you know, like his signature weapon. Yeah, yeah, his metier. Uh, the thing I also love about it is though, is like I said, every other piece of glass in this building is broken. Every piece of equipment is rusted out. This beautiful wood cabinet has a gigantic sheet of glass in it that is pristine. It's not even that. Yeah. <laughs> so like some guy has been coming to this abandoned auto plant and cleaning <laughs> that thing down because so, he wants to Great remember grandpa. the firefighters. And then I love that there's like this weird, I don't know if it was supposed to be like a class thing or something where Jason Momoa is about to fight Stallone. He's got his gun pointed at him and he's like, look at that. And I'm like, oh, thank God you stopped next to this plaque. But he reads it and he's like, you know, Morell wanted to tear this place down and nobody would even remember these people. <laughs> it's like, motherfucker, you're in an abandoned building. Yeah. Nobody does yeah. remember these people. <laughs> you're also not from here as far as I know. <laughs> There's also those guys are all dead. I'm sorry, it was 1910. They've and been know, dead for a while. This this now dawned on me, and I, I should have said it earlier. This is it is it, it is illegal to film an action noir in New Orleans and not have one person even attempt a New Orleans accent. Yes, that's illegal. <laughs> you cannot do it. I'm sure Christian Slater could have done it. He seems. I mean, his daughter enough. definitely should have had one. She apparently has lived it. Also. The thing that got me too is, I think he was just a hitman in New Orleans. I don't think you could make enough money as a hitman in just one city. Like, I feel like you yeah. have to travel to kill people. I'm pretty There's sure not his, enough people. In the beginning, when you see all of his mug shots, they say like Baton Rouge and stuff. So yeah, he's yeah. Just, well, and then just, later, he's local. Is a local mercenary who does not have a local accent, which is like. That's like the one thing that makes like Boston crime thrillers fun is that everyone has to do a yeah. stupid Boston accent. <laughs> yeah, everyone is overpronouncing the Mars. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's yeah. That's what I mean. It was just so weird. And I was like, why wouldn't his daughter have it? Because she apparently lived here her whole life. So wouldn't she have grown up with the accent? Because like every like give me one, not one person. It was so bizarre. Not even like when we say not one person, we mean no one. Not even like an extra. Not like a person they order coffee from. It, it, yeah, the closest thing you the, get the, is that, the like, hooker, that, that bad the band. Hooker, 
she was russian have, like a creole yeah she was russian for some reason i was like you guys couldn't just pick a like a person from new orleans well, she was they don't say this in the movie they cut it out but she was from a hooker exchange program <laughs> she came from a yeah. different city There's, there was a there was a new orleans yeah, yeah yeah i also like even the dude what was his name like Babyface or something or Big Baby I forget oh Ronnie Earl I don't know why I thought it was Big Baby <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll go with Big no, Baby go ahead no Baby Baby was the guy who got killed who had no lines but Ronnie Earl was was just like a really stupid Southern name he didn't even have it I'm like couldn't that guy have been like an absurd character of a New Orleans person I've been like I guarantee I'll get you that money you know like just I give me something. I was just waiting yeah. for I mean you know as in the beginning of the movie like knowing that they were going to be playing off cliches and like oh it's set in new orleans like there's going to be i figured you know they were going to have some you know old timer creole guy who you know knows everything mm-hmm. about the city or you know like <laughs> like something like Anything? something that actually like tied it to the fact that it was in this city you know uh or like a big fight on on you know bourbon street or something but it was like yeah yeah i was like i was like they'll definitely do like a thing at mardi gras because like why else set a movie in new orleans you know what i mean like it's otherwise you yeah. just, it's just a generic big city so yeah, just yeah. set it anywhere like if you're not going to use what makes the city famous if then what's the yeah. point if stallone's not going to give out hokey like down home swamp wisdom i don't want to watch this stupid <laughs> <Yeah>. movie <laughs> where's his pet alligator <laughs> yeah, yeah something why I mean, isn't every fight the dirtiest a, swamp in the world for some reason why isn't every fight an allegory why isn't he explaining to the cop like why everything about staying alive is an allegory of like wrestling an alligator you know what i mean like like there's so many beautiful setups for opportunities but every stallone line is either you're asian and that makes you worse <laughs> than me or <laughs> or or I'm a criminal who does crime. Get over it. Like that's 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 the entirety of his dialogue. There are no deviant uh, or, or, or uh, di- uh, there's no diversion from that 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 that. I constant. just think it's just always those two I, things. I'm, my guess, my honest guess, is that you know they wrote this for New York or L.A. and they got good tax be- like tax credits for for filming. I almost in New Orleans. feel like that it's possible that since this movie is based off of a French comic that they were like, well, it's a French comic. Is there like a city that's kind of French? New Orleans. There's, there's, some, oh, yeah. yeah. We'll just, we'll set it Maybe down Maybe they there. knew. Will it ever come somebody. up? No. We'll, we'll yeah, think, I don't know. we'll think of some New Orleans stuff when we're there. Yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> oh, what if there's an orgy where they're all wearing masks? When we're, that's the only time of year they wear masks because it yeah. orgies, right? There's yes. no super famous event that happens every <laughs> that year. We that we probably they're... can't get film rights to, we can't get permits yes. to have our cameras there. Because <laughs> it wasn't in the script. Yeah, even Their one crowd scene where there's like these people doing some sort of weird parade, like dancing down the street. And it's like a crowd scene where Quan's walking and there's like the most obvious person in the world's tailing him. Because like the whole time he just keeps looking over and staring oh, yeah. at Quan, which I was like... You don't look at the person you're following, but like the crowd is about 27 yeah. people. It's the smallest gathering of people to watch anything since uh, gathering. <laughs> well, here's here here's the weird thing. I am relatively confident that's a New Orleans funeral. That's uh, what I thought. Yeah, I was like, that's for those weird. for those unaware, famously a cultural kind of funeral in New Orleans is to is to play 
like lively jazz yeah. music, wear lots of white and black like clothing with white and black flowers, and like dance down the street on the instead of just instead of a you know a morose affair. And I'm pretty sure that's what they're doing. Why we don't spend any time, even just like the camera looks at it for like a little bit. I I almost yeah. like wanted to see it for a second. But then it, it, and it's like all the people watching it though are just like random tourists who all appear to be hanging outside of the police station because that's yeah. Where <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Hey, you guys just want to go hang out in front of the police station for a little bit? Yeah. yeah, Maybe there'll be a funeral. (laughs) Came to New Orleans. What else are we going to do? There's not a famous street here we could hang out on and get blitzed. No, we're, you know, and they don't appear to be like downtown. It feels like they're in a suburb of New Orleans. Yeah. Like, we're 30 minutes away from Bourbon Street on the highway. Like, or they're like, they're, yeah, they're they're so far away from New Orleans. They're in like another city, like Old Orleans, <laughs> further away. Or, or like in Albany, yeah, New York or Toronto. something. Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. Well, an important question comes up here at the end of this episode, which is that uh, if one got drunk enough, would this movie be at all entertaining? <laughs> no. Is, is this movie... Could there ever be a redeemable value to this movie, like watching it with friends or as part of a larger marathon of dumb action movies? Could, does this movie hold any water? Seth, why don't you go ahead? Uh, yeah, as as probably the the resident action movie enthusiast, I, I would say no. And there's this movie is uh, it's not interesting to look at. It's not. There's no interesting fights. There's there's only a few fights. There's not like big set pieces or anything. It's it's really ugly and it's really dimly lit. And and most yeah. of the movie is people talking to each other about things that have happened off screen. And so it's just not I mean Stallone's got some great movies, uh like action movies. Um but I watch Demolition yeah. Man. I, and I think I said this in chat. Like, I think they wanted it. They wanted it to be like a funny buddy cop movie. And all this made me want to do is like watch Rush Hour or watch yeah, a thousand le- like uh, Lethal Weapon. I can't remember how many. Can't remember what the bad one is. Is it Lethal Weapon Four? But I think Lethal Weapon One. After after, after two, they. Get, I was gonna they say I remember fondly. Fast. You know, I remember one and two very fondly. Um, yeah, diplomatic immunity. <laughs> I mean, there's like. I mean, it's funny because it's like, oh, we wanted to do an homage to, uh, you know, 70s and 80s action movies. And I'm like, this doesn't even feel like an homage because they're not even really like um, they're not even really like pressing on any of the cliches. It's just all real lazy. Right. I mean, it's it's all cliches, but it's not done in a way in which it's like, yeah. interesting. It's just I would just cliches. rather watch a movie from the 80s or the 90s than this movie yeah. which is supposed to be like an homage to one you know like it just doesn't so yeah unfortunately i guess my short answer is no i mean there's there's so many better dumb action movies you know popcorn movies to to do in a marathon or something the only the only homage that it successfully lands is the is the casual racism yeah and even that is like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's an homage to yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's more just racism than an homage to it. Like, yeah, yeah, and it's it's not really casual. It's pretty stuck yeah. front. Yeah, that's fair. I, I feel like if we had watched this movie, like if the three of us could have been together, 
and watch this movie, I think we would have had fun watching it together, but not because uh, of the movie. I think we probably would have just made each yeah. other laugh making fun of it. But I don't even I don't even think it's worth watching. It's, uh, what did you say in our chat when we were talking about how it's just all people having conversations in cars? How did you refer uh, to it? I, what did I say? I was like... Oh, you said it should have been called Cops and Cars Do yeah. Cliches. That's... <laughs> That's it. Which I think is a perfect description. Yeah, it's it's very disappointing. Yeah. Ben, would you recommend it? No, I mean, you, you, you gotta have... If your movie's gonna be a boring, over-convoluted over uh, uh, crime crime story without a lot of, of payoff, then you, you have to at least give me dumb lines. I need my stupid yeah. lines. I There's... What is it? Hard to Kill or whatever with Seagal, and, and he delivers the line... Uh, 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 I'll take you to the bank, the blood yes. bank. Like I need, I need yeah, dumb shit need like that. There isn't a single line Stallone utters. It's even an attempt at being like clever or catchy. Again, and he just no, like, says overacting or anything. Yeah, no, no overacting. Seagal just occasionally on quaaludes looks off to his left and says, "I do crime. Sometimes I do crime, and the crime is." who i am and then that's and then he shoots a guy and that's like the whole movie from start to I, that's it there's a lot of the whole thing all, that's the other thing is too is this movie's clearly like especially in the opening it's supposed to be like noir but they fail at even doing like an homage to noir noir voiceovers like it's not good it's not like the voiceovers from classic noir yeah. films it's just like a guy doing a voiceover which isn't the same thing so yeah it's it's a real shit storm but I guess I think is that is anybody else have anything they else they wanted to bring up that we didn't hit on? No, I think I think we got um, it. I don't think there's anything else left to say. There's so many better movies for, you know, uh, a movie marathon or putting on a, a brainless action movie. There's there's hundreds of movies that are better than this one. Yeah, there, there's even better comic book adaption. Like if you want to yeah. watch a bad '80s comic book adaption sort of action movie, watch the original uh, Time Cop. It's really dumb, but it's fun. It's got like a weird dude who looks a lot like Danny McBride, <laughs> and it's just yeah, it's funny. You you can enjoy making fun of it. That's like a good bad movie. This is just a bad yeah. movie. Also, so shocking that it was filmed in two thousand twelve. Like oh. I just cannot believe that somebody made this movie that late in time. Yeah, it looked uh, it did, and it looked terrible. Like it was. Yeah, it looked like the, I tried to film it, and I was like, "What do you mean you have to wipe like the lighting, the framing? Like, it, it's just the shot composition. Like, everything in this is bad." Yeah, somebody bought a book called "How to Film a Movie," <laughs> and and that guy was apparently the guy who and, wrote the script. Yeah, and they for left. Alien. They left it in the car, <laughs> and then they got a camera. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, "Shit, oh, it's back uh, in the parking lot where we parked oh, all of our cars." I'll figure it out. I mean. Ultimately, this movie is probably better left alone. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs>